Hey, everybody, this is Christian Brindle, president and founder of Christian Brindle Insurance Services, an agency specializing in Medicare health plans, as well as the founder and admin of the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook community. And I am Glenn Shelton, founder and president of Lead Heroes, where we specialize in final expense and Medicare insurance leads. Every single Tuesday, guys, we have decided to come together and bring our forces together to talk about our two favorite subjects in the world, insurance and tacos. Henceforth, Taco Tuesday, let's taco about insurance. Every single Tuesday, we will live stream this show for the group Six Figure Medicare Agent at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. It can also be found everywhere that podcasts can be listened to, or you could watch the replay of the video up on our YouTube channel for the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoy, and let's get into this. Our recording. Oh, are we live? I think we're live. I think, we're, I think we did it. Just eating a burrito, guys. I don't know if this is my burrito. This tastes like a specialty burrito. See, and then you'll have we'll have all the people come in here and be like, it's Taco Tuesday, not Burrito Tuesday. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> I already knew that was gonna happen before <laughs> before I started. So I just want to tell everyone I had two tacos before. Okay. The Doritos Locos taco. Oof, that sounds good. That sounds good. One of so my we, favorites. So we we went we went with old reliable today. You know, it's been a it's been a two or three weeks since we had Taco Tuesday at the office where we had tacos for the for the whole office. So we went back to the rolled tacos once again. Ooh, I like it. And um, my God, were they delicious? Have they been delicious? They're just everybody's feast. Yeah. Mm. Oh, dude. I, think I, took, I think I took my wife's my wife's burritos. These are like supreme burritos. <laughs> Probably cursing my name right now. She's like, where are my burritos? I didn't even want them. I didn't even oh, you want them. Took them like they're yours, huh? I'd be like, your fault. You should have took your burritos. <laughs> <laughs> Finders keepers. I'm a and cheese guy. Not a Welcome. specialty burrito guy, just so everyone, I think that was important to get out there. <laughs> I think everyone needs, if in case anyone's buying me a burrito at any point, just bean and cheese. I don't, I don't so, need all. all I'm going to, I'm going to post this later, but look what Rebecca Davis sent me. You know, I think I I'm saw gonna... you. I thought, did you already post this? I don't think so. Um, it just opened it today. Um, I can pick it up. My little baby hands. Okay. So Rebecca Davis sends me this. Okay. And love it. Full of cookies. Branded, by the way. Maybe Tony posted it. Maybe that's why. Somebody posted this. Because I remember being super jelly. In case you're listening, Rebecca, it's P.O. Box 388, Kelsey Washington, <laughs> And then she also sent um, these bags of like, I think it's flour or something that they use for the cookies. 
but oh, so she's she's trying to get you to bake too yeah which won't turn out so well but for anybody but um shout out to rebecca yeah i mean super i mean super generous gift um very very grateful i'll, I'll do a full post and give her a shout out later on tonight once taco tuesdays died down a little bit but um everybody welcome to another rendition of taco tuesday um we've been off for about what has it been two three weeks now i was just telling my wife that before i got on like i, it, I think it's been at least two weeks i know we didn't do it last week it was yeah. doing family family christmas photos yes and then the and week then the before week, yeah I, I couldn't do it yeah so yeah this is our second one i think this month and this is going to be our final episode of taco tuesday of 2020 so it's crazy which yeah. is crazy like to, to to look back and reflect like to, to to really put things into perspective in january 1st of 2020 i don't think i knew glenn i did not know you no i'd never heard of you uh, yeah i mean it, i mean i didn't know you at all and um and it's just crazy how much has transpired this year. Like, you know, um, I was on this morning for State of the Union with Ollie and Tony and um, and they were talking about, you know, 2020. And I, I brought up how a lot of agents had pointed out how, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over, blah, blah, blah. And Ollie was like, I thought it was a great year. And I'm like, me too. I'm like, we had our best year ever. So many great things came out of 2020. Yeah. And um, I think one of those is, you know, being able to form such awesome relationships with, with people like you, but a lot of people in general, like Rebecca, you know, Tony, like a ton of people that I've gotten to know that I didn't know very well, or I didn't know at all last year. Um, so, I mean, it's just crazy to think about how much can happen in a year. So it's funny that you say that. I was thinking the first time I, I did come across you, it was your, um, it was in the Medicare Mentors Facebook group. Shout out to Joe and Joanna. Um, but what happened was, is I think I was talking about my course that I was re releasing around, it was like February 1st. And you had, sh I think you had already published your course talking about the VA benefits. Mm -hmm. And that's been such a crazy, like, everyone wants that. Like I need, I need to be an affiliate on that because it's like, it's a question that comes up every single week. It's like, it's crazy. Hey, if someone's on the VA benefits, can I sell them Medicare? And it's like, and, Oh my gosh. And the first, the first 10 comments are like, no, they'll lose their VA. Like <laughs> the blind leading the lame here <laughs> every single time too. It doesn't matter what group it is. It could be my group. It could be, gurus it could be mentors the first 10 comments they're like they have tricare you better leave them alone i'm gonna report you yep. they have va you better leave them alone i'm gonna report you and i'm just like just a cesspool it's enough just to drive you crazy it's enough to drive you crazy yeah um i did a webinar about tricare this year that was separate from the course and i basically you know i did an hour plus long webinar there was must have been 60 agents watching live um, recorded that, gave it away for, for free forever, by the way, right. people can still get access to it for free. If you don't know, I, I put that out there to try to put an end to all this. It didn't, it made it worse. Made it worse. And, yeah. There's more confusion. Welcome to 2020. The more information you share, the more confused people get. <laughs> yeah. 
pretty much sums up the year, honestly. So um, I know I know we had talked about discussing LOA agents, license only agents, and captive agents, um, mainly mainly due to the fact that I I had made it known that I'm going to be looking for some um, in 2021. Um, I know that we've had a lot of talks about this on Taco Tuesday before, but and exiting 2020, have your have your has your perspective on LOA agents changed than what it was eight months ago? Because mine mine has. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was the main reason I wanted to talk about it. I know we've talked about it before. Um, I feel like I feel like there was a conversation on one of the cocktail parties, which we should have an end of the year. By the way, I'm going to say that today on talking how many days do we have left there should be an end of the year cocktail party i agree with that actually putting that out into the universe i really don't want to be the one that hosts it i'd rather just drop in and we could do it thursday maybe but that's new that's new year's eve everyone maybe the day before new year's yeah because i was thinking i'm like new year's eve no one would probably log but maybe the day before new year's eve i don't know but yeah. anyways, I, I know we talked about it, I think, on a cocktail party about LOAs. But my opinion on LOAs has actually changed uh, repeatedly. I've gone back and forth repeatedly over years of being in the industry. So I got recruited essentially to be an LOA. And then the recruiter pulled the rug on me and said, hey, you're actually going to go 1099. You're going to be direct to the carrier. And this is better. You're going to make more money, yada, yada. So like, you know, the bait that got me into the insurance industry was this LOA advertisement, which at the time I didn't understand at all. Then I go direct to the carrier. Um, And, you know, at that point, after I learned, get my feet in the industry, that's when uh, my footing, I guess I should say, that was when I really turned on LOA. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I'm not an LOA agent. You guys are all getting scammed. And I was, I was a big hater. And then um, I went kind of back the other way because of, you know, getting to know more people in the industry and, and really specifically agency owners. When I saw ethical agency owners treating their LOA agents, um, shout out to uh, Medicare Bob mm-hmm. um, yeah. because I got some LOA agents and I would, I would go work for, for Bobby <laughs> Boucher because yeah, uh, Bobby Boucher. Good, yeah, Bobby Boucher. Uh, he takes such good care of his agents. He pays them um, probably more than he needs to, or arguably should. Um, I'm pretty sure he pays for their benefits, like you know, med- uh, their medical benefits for sure, and I think possibly even like some sort of retirement program. So, um, you know, so I, you know, like for LOA, and then you know, then you hear about these bad LOA situations. People are getting taken advantage of, getting scammed, getting lied to, and so like where my where I am as of today, exiting 2020, is you know, do your homework, do your research. If it's an LOA opportunity, make sure you understand it and know who your upline is. Research who that upline is. But for a lot of agents, the reality is that for a lot of agents, an LOA opportunity is the right opportunity, is the best opportunity. Um, and, and not for everyone. There's, there's certain people where you will lose money. If you're, a, if you're a top producer, if you're like a top 5% producer, most likely you're losing a lot of money on an LOA agreement. But for some people, and I would, I would argue the majority of agents, you, sh- you should probably find, especially when you're new, a great LOA home where you can get your, your feet wet, 
where you can learn about the industry, learn how the sales process works. And then hopefully you have an easy path where if you want to leave, you can leave. Obviously, again, a lot of this is per person per agency. So that's a long winded answer, but that's kind of where I'm at as of right now with LOA. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And I love it. I, 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 I'm in sync. We're in sync on this. Um, it's interesting. Another one that comes to mind is Justin Brock. Um, like he told me one time, Yeah, absolutely. He, he told me one time and I, I, I think he said it publicly. So I, I, I'm hoping that I got this right and he doesn't mind me repeating this, but um, I think he said publicly one time that, you know, he starts his agents. A lot of times will start off making, you know, maybe 1500, 2000, 2500, something like that a month, um, in salary. And most of them, by the time they're in with him for over, for a year, they're up, they're making like 10,000 a month, which blows my mind to really think about that. Because for me, going from the time I started to first year in as a 1099 agent, right? As a self-employed agent, I wasn't making 10,000 a month every month, some months, but not every month, you know, not consistently like that. And then, and then um, I think he does a great job in terms of, you know, compensating his agents. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting with LOAs because if it's the right opportunity, if it's like a base or if it's like a Brock or somebody like that, you know, it can be great because, like Justin's office is probably like, I just imagine that like, you know, the door is flinging open all day, every day with just, you know, lay downs all day, every day or something like that. It's just like, they just never have any, it, it seems to me from the outside looking in, I've never been there, but you know, it seems like they have no um, shortage of business to write or leads to work. And they just um, are put in this position to where, you know, yeah, they might make less per sale because they're LOAs, but they're able to make so many more sales so much easier without having to prospect as hard. And so they probably make more because of the volume of it. It's just, it's really interesting to think about. It is. And, you know, as you're talking about talking about, like, I, I, I see all sides of it now, again, like my perspective has changed so much over the past, like 10 years I've been in the industry. Um, but, you know, I see all sides of it. And, and as a marketer, which is really my main focus now, um, I think, one of the best solutions that an LOA agent um, is to a problem is, you know, as when an agency owner puts on their marketer hat and then all of a sudden, like Justin, like you just said, they have a lot of opportunity, way more opportunity than they can possibly handle themselves. That's such a great opportunity to bring in that LOA agent. You know, Hey, I've sold insurance before. I have all these people wanting to buy insurance. I can't do it. I want to teach you how to do it and I'm going to make sure you, you make a livable wage, which Lord knows so many places out there in, in the U S today don't even offer people a livable freaking wage. It's a joke. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I really am overall, I think I'm for LOAs if it makes sense, you know, if it's a fair agreement. Yeah. If it's the right thing, like, so, so, so two things that come to mind, when we talk about this is number one, I, I think it's a, it can be a very fine line. And I, and I'd love to hear what you, th- you think about this. Like I remember a guy that I met when I was in Florida and he was a Humana captive agent. So he was captive to Humana. Now it was a great situation for him. I don't really quite know how the commission details work when there's with captive agents for Humana. I don't really know. Um, but I knew he was getting some kind of renewals, some kind. Um, 
and you know, they were feeding him leads, all that stuff. And he had 900 plus clients as a captive Humana agent. Wow. Right. Like even if you make half the commission you're doing, you know, of what a normal agent makes, you're doing pretty good at that point. Um, And he was in the process that I met him because I was meeting with another carrier's reps about getting contracted with a local, you know, and kind of getting a feel for their, their, their products and everything like that. And um, I was from Utah. I was from out of state. I didn't know anything about the market and um, he was going independent. And so I, I, I got to know him a little bit. We, we, you know, we, we, we spent some time together, got lunch together, just talked a little bit. And I, I found out through talking to him that he was walking away from all of that. And wow. he had a non-compete, couldn't yeah. go roll him kind of thing. Um, right. Non-solicit. That, that sucks. You know, like, like thinking about that, like you build up a client base of 900 people. Yeah, really fast before I, I do, I like where this is going and I have a lot more I want to talk about with LOA, but yeah. when you mentioned a non-compete, do non-competes really hold up in our industry? Because the my understanding, and again, I've seen this back and forth over my years of, of being in the industry. I was told at one point that having a non-compete hold up where someone says you're not allowed to sell insurance um, if you leave our company I was told that those almost never hold up in court if it gets enforced. However, non-solicits are almost a shoe in for every company everywhere. Hey, you know, you can go sell insurance, but if you talk to any of our clients for the next two, three, four years, um, we're going to come sue you because you're violating our agreement. So have you, my question is, I guess I'm, I'm curious, Christian, both you and anyone who's listening to this, does anyone know or has ever heard of a situation where a non-compete actually was enforced? Because to my understanding, it's almost impossible. So I, I think, I think you're, you're dead on with that. I think a lot of times too, like, unless the upline is just, you know, in Uga Booga cash, they're not going to want to. And some of those are out there, by the way, you know, these uplines, you know, that they're just swimming in money, but you know, a lot of times they don't want to go through the trouble if all you're doing is just selling, you know, like if, if you're, just, if, if you're not touching your clients, if you're not going after, if you're not going to go roll clients and things like that, they probably don't care enough to, to, to spend the money on a lawsuit or to take it to court. Um, that would be my, you know, just as an agency owner myself, that would be where I'd look at it from, you know, yeah. like, um, do I want to spend the money on it? Like, is it worth it? You know, like, yeah. um, and I, I have seen on the flip side where, you know, um, where, where people have signed agreements where they wouldn't roll the business and they have, and I've heard stories about lot, you know, that being taken to court. I could see that being more realistic. Um, I can't think of one situation off the top of my head where I've seen like there'd be legal action taken for just a straight up non-competitive selling at all. Personally, I haven't heard about it. Yeah, I don't I think it would be such a hard argument to make in court to say, hey, this person isn't harming me in any way, but I want to keep that person from making a living yeah. you know, for themselves or for their family. Like I don't I don't know a judge that would be like, You're right. You're not allowed to <laughs> use your him. license. You're not allowed to use your here's the gavel, you know, like you're not allowed to use your license for the next three, four, five years. Like throw him in a cage like the animal he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so get, to get back to your story though, so 900 clients, he's walking yeah. away, right? So captive or an LOA situation, this is very normal. The things we're talking about mm-hmm. business you write is not your business. It's the agency or the company's business. 
you know, you're walking away from your leads, you're walking away from your clients, you know, you're really having to start completely over, you know, from scratch, which can be really intimidating for successful LOA agents. So yeah, he, he just completely walked away. He just walked away and um, he went independent. I lost touch with him. I don't know if he made it or what happened, but from my understanding, and maybe if there, and I know there's some people that are actual captive agents to carriers that are in the groups. If anybody sees this, and if you know how this works, let me know. I'm under the impression that if he went back, let's say he went out to try to do it, did it for six months, failed out, let's say, had to go back to Humana, um, that they wouldn't give him his book back. He'd be starting all over, kind of thing. It'd be like starting a new job, you know, like it'd be like quitting a job where you got like several pay raises, let's say. And then right. quitting for a year, going back, and then you start off at the starting salary kind of thing. I th- I believe that was the situation, yeah. um, and and I remember talking to this guy, and I I I asked him. I said I was like, I was like, I understand where you're coming from. I'm like, but you've built this up. I'm like, w- just playing devil's advocate here. Would it potentially be? Would it make more sense to just ride it out and make this your career focus and be the best that you can be? And I know that at that point, you're never in any control over anything. You work for a corporation kind of thing. You're never your own person. And I think that's what his ambition was. But that is such a hard pill to swallow for me personally. Like if I had 900 clients on the books and just flush it down the toilet, that, that's, that's so difficult, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so tough. And, and again, there are situations. Here's another thing I just want to kind of poke holes because I don't want to sound biased on any side of this. There are LOA situations where there will be agreements in place where as an agent, you actually get paid renewals or you have an ownership percentage on those renewals. Those agreements also exist. So this isn't like a one size fits all. Like like it's, it's very malleable how, how this whole situation works and, and it kind of, again, stretched that even further. Um, like there's an LOA agency in Florida that I'm aware of where literally this guy, all he provides for his LOA agents is a desk in an office, um, a computer, internet. And I think that's really it. I don't like, there's like no training, no guy, like, like no structure. Um, And then, so you have people like that who are providing the bare minimum, like, Hey, here's a place to work and you're assigning all your commissions to me, (laughs) my company, right? Like literally like, and then you have all the way to the flip side of it where you have people, you know, I don't know if, if um, Bobby, I don't know if any of these people we've talked about um, do that ownership or where they give renewals to their LOA agents, but I know they exist. I've talked to people before where they will give a portion of the renewals, lifetime renewals or whatever it is to that LOA agent. So you know, there's a whole spectrum of, of these LOA opportunities and how it works. So shout out um, to Michael Newton. He's uh, part of Tidewater Management Group. And I wanted to give him a quick shout out because he will repeatedly say over and over, I've seen him post maybe a dozen times about this. He's like, read your contract, <laughs> read the agreement that you signed. And most people don't, let's be honest here. We're, we live in a society now, just like the US, right? The government just passed a 5,500 page bill that was written an hour before they voted on it. Guess how many senators read that bill, you guys? Literally zero. (laughs) I can tell you that with certainty, right? It's just like signing, 
who who read their their terms and conditions with their iPhone before you no no one <laughs> no one reads it right and and the same thing happens in our industry with these LOA agreements oh you know they try to put a non compete in here or oh i'm actually not getting paid the way the recruiter told me i was going to get paid well just read your agreement before you sign the paperwork it's honestly that easy and you could save yourself so much heartache um, that honestly, like that's public service announcement, like read your contract, even if you've already signed it, go back and read it because you don't know what's in there and you might have absolutely screwed yourself over for all, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like one, one group that comes to mind, um, and I battled with them locally here in Utah for years, but they're a pretty big captive shop. They have presence in lots of places in the country as American senior benefits, from so from my understanding because i used to know some agents that worked over there they all flamed out of the business but um but the agents that i knew that worked over there i think their structure their commission structure was i think they had no vested commissions for the first 5 years and then after i think it's 5 years and then after i think from like years 5 through 7 or something you have like 50% I want to say vested commission. I, I'm probably getting this all wrong. Someone in no, America but yeah, in the con you, you're getting the concept, right? Maybe the details yeah. are wrong, but the concept, and there's a lot of groups like this for yeah, sure. And, and I think that, you know, from what I understood to get a hundred, to be able to walk away with a hundred percent vested commissions, you had to be there for 10 years. That's what I remember. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of those out there. I think there's a lot of others too that you know, the opportunity at the LOA shop is so great in terms of like the lead flow that they probably don't have vested commission in their contracts. For all I know, I don't know. But um, it's, it's very interesting to me to kind of think about, like I, I think about that guy that worked for Humana long, a lot. I think about him probably more frequently than he probably thinks about me. Um, but because I'm just like, think it's such a crazy thing to kind of wrap my head around, you know, um, most agents, their goal is to build a book of a thousand clients. You know, that's right. usually the milestone. And then you, and then for a lot of agents, what they do is they just sit on it, you know, for yep. 20 years, 25 years, you, you know, service you, their book, do nothing. They golf yeah. all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that, a lot that, of, a lot of agents. Ton of those. Like that. There's a ton of those, you know? Um, and um, Ollie Salah wants to know if we both have vesting programs. Ollie, you br- um, I will I will give you a hundred percent vested day one, okay, hundred percent day one for Ollie Sala. <laughs> if I can have yeah, if I can have your book of business, I will I will give you day one vesting. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting because I think it's such a fine line. It can very quickly go from a great situation to it is maybe a not so great fun. situation. And then the other thing is like you know, unless that's, it's because some people, I mean, we've talked about this before on Taco Tuesday too. Some people just want to go to work and go home. You know, some people don't want to build the business. Some people don't want to work. You know, we were talking about before we went live, you know, working and having a hard time unplugging a little bit, you know, Um, some people don't want to be that person. Some people just want to clock in, clock out. That's a great person for an LOA situation but if you're not that and you maybe start out there and you're there for three to five years to build up a book of business like how long do you stay before you walk away like it's it's an interesting conversation to kind of wrap your head around sometimes yeah it's you know and another thought that comes to mind the facebook story Um, as we're talking about agreements and these loa contracts you know with facebook 
when Mark Zuckerberg hit it really big, it was more or less co-founded with like one of his best friends. And so he slaps this contract down for his friend to sign. And he says, oh, oh yeah, there's some legal updates, like, you know, nothing big in here. Just go ahead. And, and basically gets his friend to sign the agreement and it more or less ousted him from the company. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, again, I remember even if you think your upline is your friend or they've got your back or they're trying to help you, like you don't know what's in that paperwork or what your agreement is unless you read it. Honestly, I'm at a point now where if I get something that's concerning, I don't even want to be the one to only read it. I'll have my attorney look it over and my attorney, I'm paying my attorney to read the legal agreement to make sure that I'm not missing something because I'm not a, a you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, right. I, I, there, there could be some legalese in these agreements where I might think I know what I'm reading, but I'm actually getting screwed over. And so that's, that's how serious I take contracts. Now, when I get any, any contract that has any sort of remote value, I'm having a contract attorney look it over before I even sign it. So I don't know. I just want to really beat the dead horse on this one. Like just read your agreement. It's, it's honestly that simple guys. Yeah. Yeah, I but agree. here's here's a question along um, the lines while we're talking about what so what would your LOA pro I know you're kind of in the process of building it out or thinking about it. How would you compensate the LOA agent that you're trying to bring on now? So I'm trying to figure that out. I really haven't come to a solid conclusion yet. I've talked I talked to some, some people that said what they do is they give them 20% of all the renewals as long as they're with the organization, but they never vest them. I have talked to some people that do that. I've talked to some people that, you know, and of course, a lot of it depends too, if you're a brick or mortar or a call center, you know, I think, yeah. I think the reward should be more if you're a brick and mortar than if you're in a call center, personally. Um, Cause I think there's a lot more work that goes into working in a brick and mortar. Um, so that, that has a lot to do with it too. Obviously with us, you know, we are a brick and mortar. So I would say, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think for me, you know, I, I think I'd probably be willing to compensate the agent 20, 30% of all the commissions, including the upfront commissions, first year commissions, um, maybe renewals, you know, so they can build up a renewal stream. But I don't know if I'd ever want to do an agreement with them where they could walk away with the business because essentially I'm investing into them to grow the agency. And so, yeah. And you mean, you mean like letting them take the book of business with them? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Like that's what I mean by vested, yeah. you know, it's I like, mean, how, yeah, I see what you're saying. Cause essentially, uh, uh, like American senior benefits, like you're saying, if they're there for 10 years, if they leave, they can those take are the their, business or their they're, clients they're, at they're that vested, point. Uh, you know, hundred percent from that point. And so I don't know if I, and this is just me personally, maybe it's not the right outlook, but my interpretation is, you know, when you have an LOA, I've, and I, I know a lot of people know this that do this. It takes a lot of pouring into them, both financially, you know, teaching them time-wise. You, you have to provide them leads. Like you have to give them an incentive to be an LOA. You have to take a lot of the work out of it. Um, and Ollie said he could explain what they do. Um, Ollie, I would love to hear it. I would, I would love to pick your brain on that sometime. Because... Yeah. I've talked to a lot of different people and it seems like a lot of people um, it's, it's so, it's so, it's such a wide scale, you know, it's done so differently across the industry. Um, it's kind of hard to know what that sweet spot is a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, one of at lead heroes, one of the big call centers that we work with 
um, I won't name them, but I'll kind of give you an insight on their LOA compensation, their compensation structure. You know, they don't vest any of their agents. Um, it is uh, almost like a bounty system or like a, they have their own commission system where it's like a per application. So, um, you know, they're getting a, a hefty base pay. And then based on the number of applications that go issued that month, they get a price or a commission per application that gets issued. So you have this guaranteed salary, you're getting full benefits. And like that alone is just the benefits and salary alone, I wanna say is like 60, maybe $70,000. And then on top of it, they're getting a, this, this bounty essentially per application that goes issued. So, you know, again, this is kind of one of those dilemmas. On one hand, they aren't, they have no ownership. They, ha they don't get any renewals. And you could point at that and say, wow, what a horrible agreement. But again, the reality is that for a lot of agents, they don't want to go all in and, and be independent and do it all themselves. They'd rather be in a situation where they're going to make 50, 60,000 a year guaranteed. They're going to get their benefits taken care of. And then they're making commission on top of it. And, and he's in a situation where the average agent or the above average agents easily making more than hundred K a year, you know, as long as they're hitting kind of these minimum goals. So, um, and, and it's one of those situations too, as a business owner, if you are the, the owner of the agency or the company, you almost look at it like you're paying at a loss to build your company. So mm -hmm. I guarantee you on year one business and his compensation structure, he's probably losing money or breaking even depending on the situation, the carrier, other, all, all these variables. But that, that would be my guess is he's either losing money, but again, he's, he's playing for the renewals. He's playing for building his book of business. So if he loses money year one, but he's profitable year two through five, who cares? He doesn't care. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting dilemma. And, and I think, I don't think you have to vest. I really don't. I, again, seeing him, right. Seeing the way he operates, I don't think you have to vest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, that's the whole, I mean, the other thing too, you know, is in terms of vesting and I understand why people do it. I mean, they probably feel like they take their pound of flesh the first, you know, like let's say Americans in your benefits does the 10 years, they probably take their pound of flesh for that first 10 years. Um, uh, but on, on the other side of things, you know, if I was just looking to make overrides off of somebody in that regard, I would just recruit an agent, you know, like I would just recruit and train up an agent, a 1099 agent, you know, um, from there, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, in terms of an LOA agent, I think it's someone that you're bringing on board. I look at that like you're, it's someone you're bringing on board to help build your book, not build yeah. really their book, but to build the agency's book. Right. Um, so I think it's a different perspective, you know, like a different mindset. Whereas like when you're contracting an agent, like when I'm contracting an agent, I'm looking at it like, I want to help you build your business. And I want to help you give you the, you know, the tools that you need to do well and be successful and grow your business. When I'm bringing in an LOA, they're coming in to help me grow my business. You know, um, that's a really simple way of, I think, explaining it clearly and I think the biggest problem is the lack of transparency in the industry. Cause again, as a new person coming into the industry, I didn't really understand that I, as simple as you just put it. And it makes perfect sense to me now. And I think if anyone heard that they would understand, okay, I'm selling for the company. I'm not selling for myself. 
Um, it, it really is that simple, but I think the lack of transparency and unfortunately these, you know, recruiters in the industry that will say whatever just to get you to sign and come on board. That's, that's where the problem is. But I, I think if you're just transparent, like, like you just said right there, I don't think it really matters what your compensation structure is. Yeah. As long as you're like, listen, like I'm going to train you. I'm going to make sure you get paid. You're going to have a guarantee in there as well. You're helping, you know, build. And I, I really like people who give exits too. You know, if I were hiring an LOA agent, I would say, listen, like if at any point you feel like you're ready to go out on your own, this is exactly how it would work. You know, you can't solicit any of the clients or leads that we gave you. You know, that's really standard. You know, however, I will let you move your contracts and you can go be free, you know, as long as you don't owe me money or, or some sort of chargeback situation, yeah. you know. I think that's key. Yeah, I, I agree. I it, it's funny that we talk about, you know, going back and forth in this position. I, I talked to an agent on the phone. I probably talked to 40 agents on the phone in the last week. Um wow. because I kind of put it out there that we're looking for more agents and um got a lot of requests to talk about it. And um so I've talked to a lot of agents on the phone. I talked to someone on the phone and um, I remember the conversation very vividly because she gets on the phone. She's like, she's like, so if I work with you, it wouldn't be an LOA agreement, right? She's like, I remember when I first came into Six Figure Medicare Agent um, and you said, and, and she almost remembered word for word what I said and I forgot I said it. And I remember <laughs> posting it though, like it just came back to me. Right. And something along the lines of, um, you know, if don't ever sign up for as an LOA agent, if you're signing up for an LOA agent, you're leaving money on the table, you're getting screwed. I went on this like tirade in six figure Medicare agent when it was still pretty new. I have a group and, um, and she's like, she's like, ever since you said that I made sure to stay clear and blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I'm like, I'm like, for what you want to do, I agree with that. I think that, you know, you want to make sure that you're paid direct, all that stuff. It's your business. I'm like, but I've kind of changed my, my, my stance on that a little bit. I'm like, um, it, but it's interesting, you know, like people for people. Christian remember. Brindle's a hypocrite. You heard it <laughs> yeah. here first. Hypocrite. Yeah. People can dig it up. It's all in the group. Like they can use the search bar <laughs> and they can find things I've said, um, it's funny. People will do that too. Like they'll use the search bar and I'll like, someone will comment on a post I made in March. And I'm like, I don't remember saying that, you know? And I'm like, wait a minute. I said that. Said this. That's hilarious. The internet's undefeated. It's true. It's true. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely an interesting perspective. What, what I would ask is from the agents, from the agencies that you work with, cause you, you work with a ton of different, you know, agencies and agents from different, you know, walks of life, which ones are you the, are, what, what size of agencies or would you say that you're seeing that are working with LOAs right off the bat? Or we would say it's mainly bigger agencies or do you see agents coming right in and they're trying to build from scratch with that business model? It, it seems like it is a little, cause again, like I think as an age, so to shift perspective here to go from like being an agent the agent side of the LOA, which again, looking at it from the agency owner or the company perspective of the LOA is it takes a fair amount of cash flow to make it work. Right. And I, again, coming from someone who has employees on payroll, you know, a lot of them in a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, you have to pay someone to come in to learn the job, 
and they might not be profitable for you right away. And again, kind of going back to one of my bigger clients, like they, they kind of expect the first three months, at least they're just going to throw that cash away. Like they're not going to get any type of return most likely on the first three months because that agent's coming in, they're learning the system, they're learning the products, they're learning the carriers, they're learning how to sell to the leads. Some people might come in in the first month and, and you know they've got some experience, they, they hit it out of the park, but most of the time it's the other way around. They don't understand, they need time to learn. Um, so I, I think the agencies or the companies that do really well with LOAs, they are typically a little bigger. I'd say it's like, you know, 10 to 30 that 10 to 30 range call centers like you said i think i think like the the real loa agreements where there's like no ownership no vesting um it's like that 10 to 30 seat call center i, I feel like that's where it's most popular because you're you're doing enough business that you've got the cash flow to, to spend money on the loa you know, 30 agents writing 20 apps per month minimum. That's what, 600 apps a month. That's 6, 000, almost 7,000 apps a year, right? I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. that's a lot of money. A lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a huge amount. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. Someone told me, oh, I don't want to say the name, even though I'm positive it's the name. I'll, I'll tell you off camera, but... um. But they told me this year that they'll they'll probably end the year by do, doing twenty thousand plus applications. That's a that's a crazy amount of business to be writing. And when I tell you who it is, you'll be like, "Oh, got it." You know right. what I mean? It will make right. sense. <laughs> but um, but like that that number right there, it just makes me realize how small my group my organization really is. You know, in the scheme of things, and kind of like shows you what's possible. Um, and it's interesting, well, you know, take that a step further. Look how small 20,000 is in the scope <laughs> of Medicare's annual applications being issued guys. Like yeah. what is it? 30 million apps you think went live this year? I mean, 20 like million? that, crazy number and tens of millions, at least 10 million, I'd say, if not 20 million apps were issued this year. I mean, who knows? So 20,000 is a drop in the bucket totally a drop in the bucket and um to take it even a step further like if i can't i'm I'm swearing to butcher this number but i don't think it's going to be far off if you look at e-health's numbers and kind of like how many applications they do i think they did in like the hundreds of thousands of applications like 400,000 500,000 something like that i could be mistaken but i'm pretty sure that was on their public records um, at least for last year, I don't know about this year, but, um, and that's a, you know, a company that's on the stock exchange a four or $5 billion company. And, you know, they're still, you know, in the scheme of things, I mean, it's a large amount of people, but if it's 20, 30, 40 million people applications that were done in the year, they're still fairly small compared to every, you know, the whole scheme of things. It's not like they're taking half the market. So here's, here's the question, right? And maybe someone watching or listening could solve this is, so there's 40 million roughly Medicare beneficiaries today. How many of those applications were either rewritten or issued for the first time this year? 
That's maybe it's question. not, maybe it's not as many as I was thinking, you know, 10 million would be like 25% of the total application. Maybe that's a bit aggressive, but it's million. I would put money that it's millions of applications, millions, multi-millions of applications that of Medicare apps that get issued every single year. I, I'm really curious. That's got to be a number that's knowable. Like someone's yeah. got to be tracking CMS. I bet there's a CMS yeah. stat behind that. They're, they've got to know. The secret shopper floating around in the group. Um, <laughs> that's like my biggest fear too. Not, not that I'm going to say anything wrong. I just don't like people watching me and waiting for me to do something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, Hey guys, we promote rebating in this group. Please, <laughs> please give your commissions to your clients once they yeah. sign and it gets issued. Thanks for watching. <laughs> make sure to give them half because you're still making a pretty good profit and no one else will do that. <laughs> Hi FBI. How's it going? Yeah. Um, full disclaimer. Don't do that. Um, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Just in case someone takes us seriously. That is illegal. Okay, so as of 2019, this says, in terms of how many people are in Medicare, there's 61 million people. um, Wow, that's even bigger than I thought. On Medicare, as of of 2019, um, enrolled into the Medicare program. So it's probably more like, I don't know, 70 plus million now in 2020? I didn't think we were that big yet. I don't know. I, I could have sworn we were like 45 million. I thought I thought the senior. Huh. Let me see. Let me see if I can find. I'm looking at another Maybe. article here. That, that's the first one that comes up on Google. Let's see. Well, so let's talk. TC eleven thousand times three sixty five. Okay, th- listen to this. It says enrollment in Medicare Advantage has doubled over the past decade. In 2020. More than one third, 36% of all Medicare beneficiaries, 24.1 million people out of 67.7 million um, Medicare beneficiaries overall are enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. This rate has steadily increased over time since the early 2000s. So that, that's pretty crazy. That's a different statistic altogether, but that's, that's insane. Well, simple. So simple math here, 11,000. It's it's like even more than that now I think but eleven thousand T sixty five every day in the in the U S yeah you know times three sixty five that's over four million just in brand new enrollments so you know if rewrites are triple that which I think it could be I mean there's got to be I'd say ten to fifteen million applications a year minimum. And so like, when you look at like, what, if you want a thousand apps to retire, like we talked about earlier, right? You get to a thousand apps and you you really can retire. You either, either manage your book and live on it, or you even bring in an agent. Like we talked about, I I think some of the happiest, I want to go on record with this too. Some of the happiest insurance agents I know they are, it's like a three person company. There's like a front desk there's an LOA agent that makes a ton of money. And then there's the agency owner who grew his book to like a thousand or 2000. And then like really only works as needed, like roughly 20 hours a week. Yeah. And they're out golfing, doing whatever, making a ton of money. So, you know, situations like that. Um, but we are talking percentage wise, the reason I bring that up. So let's say a thousand is your happy number. And there's, let's say there's 10 million for, for easy numbers, 10 million apps a year. 
and then you're going for just you just want a thousand of those apps i mean you're let's see how small this is i did it backwards that's you just have to capture that much that's one that's <laughs> one, one thousand <laughs> one you just have to capture one one thousandth of the annual business that's written and you can yeah. sell off into the sunset you guys that's that's how big this marketplace is i mean it's insane i put a video out last week that i think scared the hell out of a bunch of agents and i didn't mean to do this I, I put I put a video out. I said, "What's the biggest threat to Medicare agents?" And Walmart. like on the thumbnail, there was Walmart. You know, there was Amazon. Amazon. There was yeah. Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and <laughs> all the all, all the and <laughs> health was on there. All the like on the thumbnail. Some trigger. You're just <laughs> triggering everybody. You're like, let's. So I'm up. going through this video. I was watching it the other day because I got a lot of people direct messaging me. They're like, they're like, should I not get into the Medicare business? I'm like that wasn't my intention for this video oh my gosh i was like i was like i thought it'd be interesting to put a video out and say you know what could potentially go wrong like worst case scenario what could what's our biggest threat and how do we survive it that was kind of the whole point of the video but i think a lot of people took it as look at all this you know big corporations we have working against us you know if amazon enters the space what do we do you know they're the most disruptive company on the planet you know um what do we and and eHealth is growing and there's more call centers and eHealth is you know partnered with Costco now and they're partnered with you know I think I don't know if it was Walgreens but some one of those big pharmacies they're all pointing their client their customers to eHealth and how can we as independent agents compete that I mean the whole video the point of the video was you know talking about you know putting these out in the open but also being like okay this is what you can do this is how you can survive um I think I scared the shit out of a bunch of agents. I didn't mean to. It's a scary thing to, to you know, it's uh, to think about those existential threats in, in the industry. It's, and that's been happening from day one. You know, one of the main reasons I, I took so long before I even looked at the Medicare business is because so many agents were jaded by what happened with the Obamacare measures and essentially losing these health insurance blocks of business, their compensation and ownership on it just evaporated essentially overnight. And, and something like that could definitely happen again. No one can say whether it will or it won't. You know, Bernie Sanders becomes our 47th president and he's and, like 105 at this point. <laughs> There's a robot version of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's our 50th president. It's year 2050. I, I don't know. Who knows what could happen? Um, so like, I think it's smart to think about it. I, I haven't seen this video yet, but I'm curious to know from like what you were speaking about, what else did you, what else did you say? Or like, what was, what was kind of your ending thoughts with this? So, so my ending thoughts, well, the, like the, the main ones I talked about was big call centers, right? This past AEP, we saw more of these call center ads and Joe Namath and Joe Theismann now commercials and Mike Ditka and all these crazy, you know, football star commercials. Mm -hmm. um, saw a lot of those. I, that was at the forefront. Um, I, I did mention Walmart entering the equation and I was kind of, I'm kind of predicting that I think, agents being in Walmart's in, in the form of being in a booth. I think that's, if it's not over, it will be soon. Um, yeah. And so I, I know there's a lot of agents that rely on that. I think, you know, Walmart's looked at as like the, the main um, booth to be in, you know, 
um, for a couple of reasons. And then, you know, talked about call centers, talked about, talked about all the stuff. My, my conclusion is I think if you develop your business into a brand, instead of just calling leads, I think you're going to be better off for it because, you know, if you brand your business, if you build familiarity, if you, you know, establish yourself as a presence, you know, online in your town, um, it's going to be hard for companies to come in and disrupt you because you've, you've, you've laid the groundwork for that, that brand essentially to where your business is known. Um, cause that's really what like an e-health is doing. They're branding, you know, they're, 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 they're partnering with Costco. They're probably right handing them a blank check, you know, Costco. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, do they get business out of it? Absolutely. But I think it's more of a familiarity thing. People keep seeing this name e-health again and again and again and again and again, and um, they're sending out mailers, you know, all over the country. They send out more direct mail than any company I know. Um, who, who doesn't know who eHealth is? I it, mean, it's crazy. Like super branded. Yeah, they're one of the biggest branded health insurance companies in the entire space. Right, right. And, uh, you know, they're all, they're, they're running, fa- they're, they're dumping mil- tens of millions of dollars into the Facebook algorithm, you know, to kind of, I mean, they're, they're trying to compete in every way that they can. And I think they're really smart, actually. I mean, I know a lot of agents look at them as the devil, but I think they're so intelligent. And I think, you know, maybe to a smaller scale, that's how an agent and agency owner can survive long term, no matter what happens is, you know, do some of those same things. You know, you can't, we can't compete to the same scale. We're not a publicly traded multi-billion dollar company, but we can brand ourselves. Um, And so that, that was kind of my consensus. That was kind of the. the You can do this too. Yeah. you can brand yourself just like any of these big box companies could. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's very valid. Um, one of my favorite business models right now would be the brick and mortar call centers that, that I'm seeing, you know, the people who are willing to entertain local business, but they really focus on, on call center. I, I think kind of a hybrid model like that makes so much sense for so many reasons. Um, I, the other thing that I think is is really important in my mind that a lot of people might not agree with is I think if you understand your license and how it works and the sort of products and policies you're allowed to sell your clients, you shouldn't be scared of any regulation at all. Um, yeah. I don't think it's possible for the government to come in and make and devalue your insurance license. I, I think even if, even if like, a, let's, let's say a Obamacare re- repeat happens, let's say Medicare for all happens, let's go down this road. And let's say that you lose all of your commissions overnight or, or quickly because everyone's switching over to this government health insurance that the government owns that you don't get paid to sell, even if you're allowed to enroll people, you still have your book of business, your clients that you've worked with. They bought from you before. You have all of their information already, hopefully in a, in a CRM-like system. What's to stop you from turning around and saying, hey, you know, great news. Your health insurance is going to be free now. Let's take that money and put it into life insurance. Let's take that money and, and put it into, you know, a critical care plan. Or let's talk about supplemental benefits like cancer, dental, vision, hearing, Um all of these things that will never, ever go away, like cancer insurance, cancer insurance, I think will always have a valid option. Even, even if cancer gets covered through something like a Medicare for all program, there's going to be things that it won't cover that you will need help with. So 
that's my opinion. I, I don't buy into any of these existential threats because I think there's always an option. So, but I, yeah. I like your branding too. I think branding is a big, a big piece that can help. And I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of things that agents can do. Um, I think, I think, you know, like when my dad was coming up, let's use him as an example. You know, my yeah. dad building his business in the nineties and I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated about this. He's working on a book about his career and I don't think he's expecting anyone to buy it. I'm like, we're going to pump that thing into the group. <laughs> I'm like, people will buy it. I guarantee it. I'm like, but I, I just am, am fascinated to read it, the book myself, um, yeah. because I'm such a geek about, you know, the industry and everything like that. But like, I know for him, you know, when he was building this big business, no caller ID, we're talking about that ancient, you know, no caller ID, there was no e-health, really. You know, I mean, there. I don't. I don't think there were really call centers like there were today. Maybe one or two. I don't think so, though. Not but really. like, not um, like, yeah, not like today. The competition was so dramatically reduced. You know, it was like a wide open market. Nobody quite. And there was no Medicare Advantage. You know, there was Medicare supplements, and that was it. You know, it was like heaven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and there was a there was a there was a company here locally. He, Evan. There was a company he told me about when I was first starting out. They used to pay on the increase, a local company. So when they raised the rates on customers, they would pay increased commissions as well. They'd pay That's the crazy. commission on the increase. Like it was just another world. And yeah. um, but like if we if we look back at like, you know, him, you know, he's he told me that he's told me all kinds of war stories. He's seen it all, you know, like there was supposed to be Hillary care when Clinton was in office, you know, and that was supposed to wipe out the whole Medicare industry. It didn't. Um, there was supposed to be, uh, and, and then if you go back and maybe a little bit even farther, you know, Sears had insurance agents in there. I was going to say, while. my guess was Sears was probably one of the biggest competitors back in the day. Yeah. The, any, any of these big, like the bigger operations, I don't know when Geico flipped to consumers. I don't think Geico flipped until like 2000s. But yeah, yeah. just these these big insurance cuz that was like the only competition. It's but but it's it's crazy to kind of think about, you know, like how mainstream our industry has gotten and, you know, I I I I find it hard to believe that the industry is is going is going to go south even for the small agent. I think it's just going upward because of the emphasis placed in and into the importance of Medicare and all the funding and Medicare advantage. It's just, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I, but I'm, I personally am enthusiastic about where everything's going. Rising tide to quote our, our good buddy, Tony shout out, shout out Tony Merwin, wherever you are in the world right now. Yeah. Um, But a a rising tide raises all ships. And I, and I agree with that. I think, I think the growth that this space is going to be having I really, it's hard. It's going to be hard to lose over the next 10 years. If you're a Medicare agent, if you're selling insurance to seniors, I think the next 10 years is a gravy train, no matter what side of it you're on. Like, like we were talking about earlier with LOAs, you know, some LOAs make a ton of money and they love it and they're happy. And that's part of the gravy train that's coming for, for everybody. Yeah. Just being in this exploding segment. So we're coming up on about an hour here, Christian. So I yeah. wanted to ask, you know, any kind of final thoughts. It's been a great conversation though. I, I, I think this LOA topic could be revisited like every few months, honestly. Yeah. Every week. No, I'm just every, kidding. Yeah. 
Taco LOA Tuesday, baby. <laughs> Taco LOA Tuesday. Every, every week. week, we talk about LOA agents every single week. <laughs> Welcome when, to hell. <laughs> when, we have, when we have guests on, we will only discuss LOA agents with the guest. You have an LOA agreement you can share in our group? We, we want to <laughs> see, see what your agreement says. <laughs> so, no, guys, I mean, um, for me, I'm just, you know, the year's ending in just a couple of days here. Um, it's been an awesome year. And um, I think the main thing is, you know, um, when we started out, I was just, you know, I was kind of having a love fest with Glenn for a second. I was being like, you know, gotten to know each other really well, developed this awesome friendship and, and, and created some bomb content with Taco Tuesday. And we're just really proud of it. And, and for the group in general, I just wanted to say, you know, and I'll make probably a longer post about this tomorrow or the next day, but um, thank you guys for being a part of the group. You know, it's insane to me. We just cracked 1,600 members um, the other day, and the group started in January or February of this year. Like, it's grown so fast, um, and I just want to thank all of you for being a part of it, and I'm just honored for you to all be here. What about you, Mr. Shelton? Yeah, no, I really appreciate the group. I remember when you created it, I was like, I want to say I was like person number 50 or 30. Yeah. I was I was an early adopter, I'll say that. But you were um you know again with this explosion in the Medicare space, there's been uh, a much slower explosion of support and groups and content. So I appreciate, you know, what you've put out, what you continue to put out and and I enjoy Taco Tuesday. So some final thoughts for you guys. Um one, I think it's um think it makes sense to kind of highlight what I've already said about reading your agreements. So um, definitely do that. Hire an attorney if necessary, if it's important enough, I would. Um, and then two, you know, keep an eye out for Taco Tuesday. Christian and I have really enjoyed this. We've gotten some really great feedback from the community. We have people who kind of reach out to us for various reasons to talk to us about all sorts of stuff, insurance related. So we're, this is something we're going to put an emphasis on for 2021. So we're, again, we're going to try to do this every single Tuesday. Um, we're going to try to get this out there in audio form. So we'll have an actual podcast that you guys can listen these back to. So we want to continue this live format that we're doing, uh, but we just want to kind of get it out there even more. So um, stay tuned, have a wonderful end of the year, and we'll see you guys in 2021. Adios, guys. Thanks for watching. Till next time.